0: Welcome to the Grafted Family Podcast, where we, Tom and Dawn, have conversations around marriage, family, wholeness,
1: and everything in between.
0: Grab your cup of coffee and come and join us. Welcome back to the Grafted Family. In this episode, we're going to be talking about toxic positivity. Yes. But first of all, how are you doing tonight, love?
1: I'm doing good. You're I'm doing good.
0: You sure you're doing good?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we're Having our ups and downs.
0: You're not having a bad evening?
1: I'm not. I have to think about that. Am I having a bad evening? I could have blocked it out.
0: Other people have worse evenings though. (laughs) That's toxic positivity right there. Right there. Be thankful that you have an evening. Some people don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) Jokes aside, um, I was planning on saying that. It's one of those dad joke things.
1: It's such a bad dad joke. So well, they're all bad, aren't they?
0: No, they're not. They're wonderful. You just don't get them because you're not a dad. Moving on. So, um, <laughs> what is toxic positivity?
1: I have this lovely definition here mm-hmm. of toxic positivity. Um, and it says, it is the overgeneralization of a happy, optimistic state that results in the denial, minimization, and invalidation of the authentic human emotional experience. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty hardcore. Wow. Okay, so let me break it down for you. Thank you. (laughs) Toxic positivity Mm -hmm. is basically a state of being so overly positive that you deny the hard feelings or hard emotions that that are going on inside of you or that are going on inside of someone else.
0: Okay, so somebody comes to you with hard feelings and emotions and you basically... Drown them in being positive.
1: Well, I don't think that way.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Or,
1: or you do, or we do this to ourselves. We go through something hard, and we pick ourselves up, and we say, "No, it's okay. It, it was. I, we don't have, actually acknowledge that it was hard. We just push through. That's the that's the word we use. We push through with a smile on our face, and ignore what has just happened.
0: So that's kind of a danger for words like resilience. Because resilience is a really positive word, but we can turn it into something that actually becomes a bit toxic if we don't acknowledge the feelings behind the need to be resilient.
1: Yes. I mean, I would say true resilience is working through yeah. your stuff, not powering on.
0: And I think appreciating that stuff factor in our life is so big, because often, often we don't want to deal with our own stuff. Whether yeah. it be parenting or, or things that have happened in your life that that influence how you treat other people. It's it's understanding and appreciating your stuff and how that stuff informs how you treat other people. But mm, absolutely. So we don't really want to deal with that stuff because it's hard. It's hard. But also our stuff's not that bad.
1: Well, yeah. If yes. we're gonna to be
0: toxically positive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then obviously it prevents us from dealing with it and then obviously affects all our interactions with other people. Okay, um, but but seriously, you might have some people, and I mean, we've been around, we've been in church, we've been in different settings where people are super positive, and what is what is wrong with being super positive, you know, because positivity is good, you know, we should look on the bright side of things, and you know, some people might sit there going, yeah, but if we just focus on the negative, then, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yes, I hear what you're saying, no, I do hear what you're saying, and... I think there is a difference between healthy positivity yeah. and toxic positivity. So we're not saying don't be positive
0: yeah.
1: uh, because obviously in, there's always hope. Hmm. And, and I think that's the thing is, is we have to look for the hope in every situation.
0: Yeah.
1: There's always hope.
0: Yeah. Um, but We want to validate as well as, as look for the hope.
1: Yes, exactly. That's exactly it. And that's not to say that some situations don't feel hopeless. They, they may seem and look hopeless. Yeah. And what we want to do is we want to validate those feelings of people who are feeling in a hopeless situation. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to bypass it by saying, oh, well will just look on the bright side or there's always a silver lining or, you know, yeah. you'll, you'll come out of this and <laughs> in the end it'll be fine yeah. because what if it's not fine in the end?
0: Yeah. And I think often it's easier for us to say, we're going to give you hope, even if there's no hope, because it's, it's a lot more comfortable for mm. us to pull you out of the mess than for us to climb into the mess with you and sit there with so you. So good. And, um, so and just sit there amongst the mess. And I think we don't like that. We like to have comfort. And we like to be comfortable. And I think often we, we sort of candy coat this, this idea of hope. Mm. So, no, there must be some hope. But as you say, if somebody's lost somebody, well, there's been, I mean, this time of Corona, people have died. You know, there's going to be people who are feeling absolutely gutted and hopeless. And to throw this word of hope at you can be quite a shaming thing, an invalidating thing, as opposed to, I'm going to sit here in the mess with you. Yeah. Uh, and and feel with you. Yeah. And, and I think what also, we were chatting earlier just about you know looking at toxic positivity, but obviously another toxic area is toxic masculinity. You know, some people think it doesn't exist, but I do think it exists. Mm. And I think the idea is positivity is good. Toxic positivity is not good. Masculinity is good. Mm. But as soon as we start putting it into a toxic level, it's like taking the attributes of what it means to be masculine, mm. you know, whatever they might be. I do think one of those attributes is strong.
1: Yeah.
0: But we, when we go to toxic masculinity, we now take strong and we create it into only physical, yeah. big, buff, yeah. uh, pushing people over, stronger than anybody else, a, a force of nature, yeah. rather than strength in terms of your, your spiritual side. Emotional side, physical yeah. side, relational side yeah. and that and we sort of the toxic side of things take something that can be inherently good And just pollutes it by just focusing on one area. Yeah. and not appreciating the others.
1: Yeah, absolutely
0: So what are so what are some of the things that? Uh, being toxic Toxically positive would do to a person.
1: I think shame is a big one mm-hmm. We have to be so careful when we when we have people coming to us with with hard things Yeah um, especially if you, I know for myself that I'm coming out of being an overly positive person. I mean, toxically positive person. Mm. I could never name my feelings. It was hard for me to name the hard things that 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 I felt. I had I read something quite interesting about how as as Christians we love the Psalms, but we don't want to read the lamenting Psalms. Uh-huh. We want to. And I thought about myself, and I thought, sure, that is so true. It's so true. A few years ago, I would, I would not read those psalms. I would only choose the positive, happy, uh, joyous singing. Um, any, any psalm that was joyful, that's what I would go to. And that's I so would true. skip over the hard parts. I would skip yeah. over the hard emotions, the, the lamenting, the sorrow.
0: But isn't that when people come to you and, and they'll say something that's going on in their life that's quite difficult, you'll you can you can think of a time where somebody would perhaps quote a psalm or a very positive piece of scripture that's really good, but in in a in the hope to to give you hope. But I can't think of a time where somebody would come to me and to your point quote some sort of scripture that would they would give a lament or something yeah. to to indicate that God understands your pain. Yeah. It's, it's like, no, no, God will get you out of your pain rather than, no, no, God understands your pain. Yeah. It, it's interesting. It's very yeah. true.
1: Exactly. And I think when we, when we respond to people like that, we create an environment of shame. We create yeah. an environment where we're saying, it's not really okay that you're feeling those things. Yeah. And people just want to be heard. They want to hear those words, it's okay. Yeah. What you're going through is okay.
0: No, it's you so true. Know? I mean, that age-old scenario where the, the, the woman comes to the guy and, and the guy wants to solve the problem and all she really wants him to do is just to acknowledge the fact that yeah. there is a problem. Just yes. sit in that, that wonderful little video. It's not about the nail. The nail, yes. <laughs> nail the oh my gosh, it's so funny. And um and I think yeah you're right, people around the world we've got this inherent desire to just want to be heard.
1: And uh, I have to share this. Our kids want to let me say our two older ones want to do a podcast with us. <laughs> and they've been asking since we said we were going to start this. They want to do a podcast with us. And and a few days ago, they came again and said, please, can we do a podcast with you this week? And my oldest son's words were, we just want to be heard. <laughs> and I just it's thought, it's just built in. Yeah. It's built in. We want to be heard. We want
0: to be heard. We want to be validated. We want somebody to tell us. That what we have inside matters. And we were also chatting earlier, one of the most empowering things about therapy that I've experienced is that you know typically that something is either good or bad on the inside. You know if a situation happens that it, it was perhaps bad. But to have somebody validate it and say the words that you know yourself to be true,
1: mm.
0: just, it, it's weird, it, it almost makes it come alive it's it's like somebody saying to you that this was trauma in your mind, you know it's trauma, but yeah. the moment somebody actually says it out loud and stands with you yeah. and affirms what you're feeling, all of a sudden you are given you're given authority you you you've you've been given permission to to feel what you're feeling, yeah, and I think that's what that's what we want i mean yes. whether it's our kids wanting <laughs> to speak on a podcast or whatever we just want to be heard and and I think Coming to somebody and saying, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. You know, and that, that, that fakeness, that toxic positivity, mm. it, it then prevents them, it shuts them down from being honest because you're like, well, if that's the game we're playing, yeah, yeah I'm great too.
1: Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's, it doesn't only cause shame in the person that you're speaking to, but it also causes you to be invulnerable. Yeah. So on the one side, you've got the person who's going through something hard, feeling a little bit of shame because mm. they now aren't really allowed to feel what they're feeling. But yeah. you, as the person dealing with them, aren't also not open to vulnerability.
0: Yeah. Not no, open
1: it's... to to sharing yourself and to yeah. allowing people to see that you also go through hard things, or you know, you yeah. you can't meet them where they are.
0: Yeah, and I think, it's, I mean, especially at a time like this, where there's all sorts of issues with health and finances and and people at home and being in a house and trauma and and just various challenges that people are going through during lockdown and and corona, you know, there's so many things that people want to be able to talk about and to share and to, whether get it off their chest or to unpack and actually find real solutions. But when I come to you and all I get thrown back at me is just Mm. these wonderful platitudes and it's good and, you know, and truths. Let's, let's be real. Truths. And people come and say, well, God is good. Or this is good. Or, this is great. Yeah. And they can be very good truths. Yeah. But I'm coming to you going, you've you've just told me that I can't be vulnerable. And I don't feel comfortable to be vulnerable. I don't feel safe. Yeah. And I think so many people want to feel safe. And mm. I think toxic, another thing toxic positivity would do then is it, it kills the sense of safety. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And
0: people will only open up to you when they feel safe. Yeah. So true. So importantly, let's let's look at, toxic positivity in a family setting what what does it look like in a family
1: yeah i think that's a such a good question because it's it's often easier to to be real with other adults or with yeah. our friends it's easier to validate an adult's feelings because let's be honest adults are often going through something in our mind that's yeah. that's actually truly My stuff hard stuff is bigger
0: than your stuff that's
1: <laughs> stuff's bigger than yours <laughs> yeah. So, the difficulty with our kids is that they sometimes come to us with things that make us go what like shame <laughs>
0: <laughs> No, but you were saying you made a very good point. Um, I'm not a gamer, and it's one of the things that I've tried to learn to enjoy more because you know we, we've got some kids who enjoy it, yeah. and um, it's just it's a, a good thing to understand and makes you more relevant in a conversation with a kid. But allowing your kids to feel small losses in the games, that is often difficult for me. Mm. When when your youngest is sitting, and whether it be Fortnite or Roblox, and somebody's just sort of driven a car into their character or, you know, (laughs) just whatever them, you know, and then they get so worked up about it, and then you look at them as if to say, how how dare you feel that way? You know, some children do not even have a computer screen, you know? (laughs) How, how dare you be upset? You must be happy with every single loss that you have in your game because you have a game. And it just, it's such a real... And I'm challenged by that yeah. because I, I catch myself thinking that game. Seriously.
1: Oh, come on. Come how on, man. How many times do we say that Seriously.
0: Day? Is it that... And yeah. it's 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 real for them because that is their lived experience right now and this is their time to learn these emotions mm-hmm. and quite frankly... If my child's going to feel loss, I would much rather him feel loss on the back of a, a, a game mm. than on the back of a real life experience. If he's to learn how to cope with loss, I think it's, it might be easier for him to, to take small little bites and learn step by step through losing in a game than yeah. have him go through an actual real life experience of massive loss and trauma.
1: Yes, yeah. And he hasn't had you to be the voice guiding him through that, yeah. through the small things. Yeah. I think another thing is we we often find our kids' emotions difficult because they're so big, yes, because they're so big and so loud hmm. it's hard to sit with someone in that place. It's hard to sit with them in that place where it's big and it's loud and it's messy yeah. and it's and it's kind of wigging out our senses. My yeah. ears are hurting now from all this crying yeah and so we. We want to patch it over as quickly as possible. We want to say, no, come on, it's okay, it's fine, stop crying, let's change the yeah. subject, can I make you a cup of tea, let me get you something nice, something to just end this.
0: Yeah, make my life easier again, please.
1: Yes, yeah. no, and, we, and I know that I do that. Yeah. Um, and I think in the last probably year or so, we've really been taking those hard moments with them and actually sitting through the crying and just saying, oh, no, this is hard. I'm so sorry that this has happened. Whatever it is, I mean, sometimes it's it's something so small, like our our little four-year-old. Um, she is sweet crazy. I mean. (laughs) It's, I mean, they all are, but she takes it to another level. And so if she's had one in the day, I'll say to her, "Oh, well, you have to wait now. You can't have one. You can't have another one. You'll have to wait until tomorrow. And obviously then the crying starts and our initial instinct is to go, no, 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 we're going to stop that right now. You know, we're going to gloss over this whole thing. Let's just make it stop. Some children
0: don't have sweets. <laughs> <laughs> You have said in a
1: much more positive yes. voice. Not um, toxically positive. Um, and, no. and instead, I sit with her and I hold her and I hug her and I say, Oh, this is so hard. And she just cries and she says, It is so hard to wait, Mom. I mean, she's just, and that's what she does. She's so, I love this child, the way she speaks about her emotions. Um, she's really in tune. And uh, she just tells me all about how she's feeling and about how hard it is to be a four-year-old and how the baby's life is so easy. <laughs> and um, and, funnily enough, I don't give in to the sweet. And her crying stops she because wants she be
0: wants to be heard. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think half of dealing with, with kids is about coaching you know when you when you you have kids on a sports field and you you, you're teaching them a new sport you you know that they're not going to be able to hit properly or kick properly or something and you you're prepared for that but when it comes to our kids it's almost like we expect them to have this built-in adult emotion ability yeah so you sit there with a child who wigs out for something and you sit there going Surely you, you, you would have learned this, you know, in orientation. You know, you know come on. And, and Did you not read the manual? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you, you're four. You've had four years to do it. Um, and we often don't get that they're still learning. Yeah. And, again, it's our stuff that we haven't been allowed to unpack because I don't want to unpack it because somebody else is going to say it's not that bad because they're toxically positive. Um but they're learning how to deal with their emotions, yeah. and I think sometimes we think because they're shorter, their emotions are smaller. Yes. You know, so everything is just sort of compacted and compressed, and that's often not the case. Often they've got just as big emotions. Mm. Sometimes spiked by things that we might see as not as you know worthy of the emotions. Yeah. But they've got the same size emotions in this little body, mm. and and we expect them to handle it, but. It's almost like, well, they haven't gotten to the point where they can cope with it. It's, it's almost like when you watch those superhero movies and the superhero gets, like, supersonic hearing. And for the first couple of minutes, <laughs> yeah. he's just, he just goes absolutely mad. And he can't take it and he freaks out because the noise is so loud and all the rest of it. And by the end of the movie, he can, like, hear something that's happening in another country. His ability hasn't increased, but his capacity to cope with that ability has increased over time. Mm, So our kids have got these emotions and it's part of our roles as parents to help guide them through building capacity to deal with these emotions. And so when you have these little situations, whether it be the sweets or responsibilities or the game, you know, Mm. I think it it often helps to see it as an opportunity to build their capacity as opposed to just fobbing them off so that they never learn how to deal with these emotions so that when they're older and they actually now have to deal with these emotions, they don't have the coping skills to do it because they were never allowed to feel them when they were younger mm. and in a more safe environment. But now they don't have those training wheels on that you have as a four, five, six, seven, eight year old. Yeah. And now you just are expected to cope. But had somebody coached them through it, they would be better as adults.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that also puts The onus on us as parents to look at our own lives and ask, you know, are there areas where I am glossing over my own emotions? Are there areas where I need to sit and allow myself to feel certain things? Because uh, as we always say, you cannot give what you don't have. And so if you don't know how to sit with your own emotions, if you don't know how to sit in the hard places with yourself, you can't lead your child there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it always has to start with us.
0: And I think it can be so subtle. There can be just subtle differences. And if we were to just sit and just for a while think about you know, what we've been through, what we're handling, what we're suppressing, and actually give it voice. Or have somebody come alongside you and validate mm. you know, what, what's going on and bring light to what's going on inside the mess that you have. Um, it could perhaps allow you to see how you're filtering different things. You know, in, in your life and with your kids yeah. so that you don't sort of sort of shower them with this toxic positivity that at the end of the day shames them and prevents them from actually yeah. growing and, and being allowed to feel and learn how to use those feelings or mm. live with those feelings.
1: Yeah. Sure. Love, I think we're learning so much. <laughs> we're growing here. We're growing. And we, we really hope that you guys are growing with us. So just to wrap it up, Let's take this week to look at ourselves, look at our families, and see how we're doing in the area of positivity. Are we being overly positive? Are we being toxic in our positivity? Or are we being realistic with ourselves and our kids, our families?
0: So in closing, I just read this this quote in, in, in a blog recently, and it says, Let's do away with toxic positivity, and instead be relentlessly present.
1: Love that.